1: here we are ladies and gentlemen we do this every single year it's a rotating person that's always on with us talking about the world juniors this time we get kyle cushman and we're talking about the world juniors on a leafs level as well what's going on guys this is offside hockey talk where the maple leafs and hockey come to talk and we got kyle cushman kyle how you doing tonight my friend
0: i'm doing well i uh, excited to uh, get into some world junior stuff tonight it's uh it's come up quickly definitely the, the world junior schedule but it shapes up to be a very fun tournament this year, not only just from a tournament perspective, but also from a leaf sand perspective as well. So excited to get into it tonight.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Obviously, we haven't had much Leaf representation on Canada to cheer for. So it's always been cheering for either the next first round pick or just another big name that's coming through the ranks. So for this one here, I'm definitely excited to talk about Cowan and Mitten very shortly. But I want to get your thoughts right now on the Toronto Maple Leafs overall um obviously they are using some marley guys bringing them up getting them through the lineup you see pontus holmberg uh max lejois different guys that are coming up that are developed kind of through the system as well i want to know your thoughts on those guys there and pontus holmberg as well coming up but we all know about him and his non-face-off prowess which is probably keeping him out of the lineup more than it's keeping him in um but i want to get your thoughts on a couple of the guys that have come up so far and someone maybe like an alex steves that maybe uh should be playing his way up to the Leafs soon.
0: Yeah it's something where because of the injuries on the Maple Leafs roster where we've kind of seen a few different guys mix in maybe a little bit more than we anticipated and obviously the guys that come to mind on that front are like your William Leggisons, your Simone Benoit, those kind of guys who are kind of these free agent signings on day one or later in the free agent period and um, guys you sign as depth you don't really expect to play very much but because of the amount of injuries that the Maple Leafs have had have kind of stepped into the lineup and kind of held serve for the most part. So um, guys like that have been impressive that were initially expected to be kind of major contributors with the Marlies and kind of as a result, that's kind of pushed some different guys higher in the lineup with the Marlies as well. And you mentioned one of those guys being Alex Steves, who because of some injuries, because of some call-ups and things like that um, has kind of stepped into this primary role with the Marlies that we kind of expected coming into the year, but maybe not, white to this level and yeah he's been awesome as of late like even through a couple of injury spells and things like that missing a couple of games because of a call-up missing a couple of games because of an injury he's put together like a a franchise record point streak with the marlies here and every game that he's been playing he's been productive he's been getting on the score sheet and he's been driving play and it's something where last year watching alex steves i wasn't really sure if he would be much more than like a 13th forward kind of call-up guy who kind of chips and chases, brings a little bit of energy on like a fourth line, but ultimately doesn't really bring much to an NHL lineup and is kind of one of these um, top AHL guys, but never really cracks the NHL on a full-time basis. Okay, this year he's kind of taken that step to be one of those top guys in the AHL and really push for NHL minutes. And so as it stands right now, I think it's kind of the mix that you anticipate with the Maple Leafs where Bobby Bobby McMahon gets that first opportunity, Mm. um, kind of showed up, a little bit at the end of last season, played well in some of those minutes um, because of the Ryan Reeves injury. He's now getting into the lineup more regularly and has looked good in those minutes for the most part. Uh, and obviously, Pontus Holmberg mixing in as a center, which Alex Steves doesn't play. But um, kind of as the season goes along, especially with how he's played early on in the season, if there is any more injuries up front or if somebody like a McMahon falters or whether they just kind of want to get a different look, uh, Alex Steves has certainly positioned himself as. next man up especially at the forward position it's a little bit tricky that he doesn't play center so if it is one of those centers that kind of go down it's either um, somebody else is going to get that call or you have to shift somebody on the nhl roster to center but for the most part um, the next man up from the marlies is absolutely alex steves and it's um, a a credit to him that he's kind of jumped over a couple of other guys on the depth chart to kind of put himself in that position as well and um, yeah, it's going to keep guys at the bottom of the roster on their toes, where Bobby McMahon, when he gets in the lineup, has to perform, or else he's going to be sent back down and somebody like an Alex Steves is going to get an opportunity. Somebody like a, a Nick Robertson needs to keep going on that train of, of productivity, or else if he kind of falters again, they'll try somebody else in, in some of those spots, because they have a guy like Alex Steves performing at the AHL level. So it's very exciting to see for Steves after kind of stalling at the end of last season, in, in my opinion, for his production, and kind of his progression and it's been a real big boost for him uh to, to see him kind of take this next step to be a legit first liner in the AHL and be productive the well
1: well I know for the Leafs and we we talk about this all the time they always look for depth when it comes to the trade deadline and it seems like internally they may have more options than they thought you mentioned Lagas and Benoit now we're talking Steve uh is there someone on the Marley's roster that you're saying hey this may also be another guy the Leafs could use that is either developing well or is a guy that, hey, we haven't really talked about because, well, right now we're dealing with the McMahons, the Robertsons, the Steves, the Lagasons, the Benoits. Is there anyone else percolating the Leafs fans should know about?
0: Yeah, in terms of for this season, you're kind of looking at the the primary guys right now and kind of mixing in as those injury call-ups. Somebody that I, I wasn't particularly high on in the summer and somebody that I I hadn't loved for the first few weeks of the season, uh, but has kind of gained some steam recently is Dylan Gambrell, who was signed on the first day of free agency. Somebody that was expected to kind of compete for that fourth line center position and never really did too much with it and kind of had a slow start as well to his AHL campaign, but he's the reigning AHL player of the week. Um, he's missing tonight's game due to illness, but he's somebody that has really kind of started to find his groove as of late after being kind of a depth NHL the past couple of years who, hadn't really scored very much, had a productive college career, had a good kind of first foray into the AHL, but it kind of toiled away at the bottom of the lineup of the Sharks and and Senators recently. Um, But it's kind of started to find his groove again, at least offensively with the Marlies recently, kind of finding some chemistry with guys like Alex Steves, like Nick Abrazzese, those kind of players. Um, And yeah, in a pinch can be that center call up if needed. So he's somebody that, at least in the short term of this season, if you're looking at any of the other potential call-ups to to make an impact, obviously it's Alex Steves as the number one. And then you're kind of looking at maybe a Dylan Gambrell that could get a game or two as a, as a center in, in kind of a, a tight situation. And then the, the rest of the guys you're kind of looking at on the Marlies roster are kind of future um, guys where it's a lot of young players, either making their um, first foray into the AHL with guys like Ryan Twerberg, guys like Dmitry Okinikov up front um, on the back end, guys like Topi Niemela making their first foray into the AHL. And so, um, the, the kind of guys on the cusp of the NHL we've seen in the NHL for the most yeah. part this season, with the exception of Steve's who hasn't gotten to a game yet. Gambrell who hasn't gotten to a game yet. Um, Nick Abrazizi, who's gotten into games in, in back-to-back seasons, but, um, kind of been passed on the depth chart by somebody like an Alex Steve's this season. Um, and then kind of the rest of the group that you're looking at with the Marlies is kind of this new wave of prospects that we'll be looking at as kind of NHL call-ups in like a year to two years time.
1: Yeah, I know a lot of people were high on Topi Nemola. Obviously, mm. and he he's was been the great guy, guy that yeah. we were beating the drum for at the World Juniors because obviously <laughs> he's a least prospect. Everybody was excited. Yeah, a, a former junior World Junior top defenseman. So that's it right there. So that's why everybody was excited about that. Obviously, now he's with the Leafs, who so are hoping that progression keeps going for him. Um, speaking of guys who have made that leap to the World Juniors. Um, Hey, man, Easton Cowan, what can we say about this guy? He was a surprise pick by the Maple Leafs, but no one was surprised by the end of training camp. Um, He blew the doors off. He, you know, shattered everyone's expectations and just went back to junior, not with a chip on his shoulder, but kind of like, hey, I got kudos in my back pocket from the NHL brass. I'm going to make them feel good about their selection here and just keep rocking and rolling. And he has, and he's made himself the Team Canada Um, I want to know your opinion here. What does Team Canada view out of Easton Cowan? We know what he can do. The Cowboy can do a whole heck of a lot. And how good will it be if Canada wins a gold medal? He's got to put a Cowboy hat on. Just really play into that persona, WWE style. Have a little fun with it, you know, just play that up. But what does Team Canada see in Easton Cowan? Obviously, Lee fans think we see the best player in the world. But obviously, Team Canada has a role slated for this guy. What is it going to be?
0: So Easton Cowan makes this roster, obviously because of how good he's been in the OHL. But when you're when you're not one of the, the, the kind of first line, second line, like key offensive contributors that are like a Matt Savoy or a Connor Gigi, those kind of players on this roster, you got to bring something other than just putting the puck in the back of the net when you're playing third, fourth line uh, for Team Canada. And yep. Easton Cowan makes this roster because that's exactly – what he can do. He can play first line. He can play fourth line. He can play penalty kill. He can play power play. He can play left wing center and right wing. He can play literally every position at forward, special teams, even strength, all of it, uh, and excel in, in each of those roles as he's kind of shown this year with London. And so he makes this roster because he has that versatility to play in all these different situations. And because of that, he makes the roster over some guys that maybe have a bit more scour scoring prowess, like a, Jagger Furk is who got cut, who's been scoring at a goal per game rate in the WHL and doesn't make this roster because he doesn't quite fit in all those different areas the same way that an Easton Cowan does. And so we've already seen it in training camp where Easton Cowan has jumped up on the top line with guys like Geeky and Savoy, and kind of been a placeholder until somebody like Matt Potra becomes available and slides into that first line role. And then he can slide back down to a third or fourth line and just as comfortably play in those positions and be effective because he's such a tenacious, hardworking player at five on five on the penalty kill with his CHL leading seven shorthanded points on the power play as well that he can play in all of these situations and Excel. And so that's why he's on this Canadian roster because he's shown that this season with London, he showed that he shows up in big games at the end of last season in the postseason uh, with the London Knights, which is one of the reasons why the Maple Leafs made him a surprise first round pick because of that end of season performance. Um, and I think Hockey Canada really likes what he can bring to the table as this kind of energy guy at the bottom of the lineup or a complimentary piece at the top of the lineup and place some important minutes on the
1: penalty kill as well. So before we get to Minton, I want to ask you a question here, because obviously when they made the selection of Easton Cowan, everybody was like, why, what <laughs> is going on here? So what did the Maple Leafs know that no one else seemed to, because, Obviously, it's a great pick right now, and we all hope that it pans out. There's a lot of things that he needs to do to keep the train rolling. The World Juniors is the first step, going back to London, tearing it up for the rest of your next step. Then next training camp, we see what happens when he gets there as well. But what did the Leafs have to know to take this guy where they did and not worry about what anybody else was saying? Because obviously there was something to it that made him special to them.
0: Yeah, so on draft night, it was something I said at the time as well, where He ticks all of the boxes of what the Maple Leafs love in a prospect. He's hardworking. He's a smart kid, intelligent on the ice, brings speed to the game, hardworking on the forecheck. All of these things that tick the boxes of what the Maple Leafs covet in prospects. When you look back to the selections of Frazier Minton and a guy like Matt Nice the previous year as well, what all three of those players have in common is that they're remarkably hardworking kids. They're all smart on the ice and they're relentless on the forecheck in addition to bunch of the other skills that they bring but that's what specifically those three all have in common and Easton Cowan is a bit on the smaller side versus those other two he's under six foot he's not like the heaviest kid by any means um and so on draft day what the concern was was sure he ticks all of those boxes but at the end of the first round does he have enough upside to kind of warrant that that kind of draft slot like yep. Would he be this kind of smaller grinder, third, fourth liner, who's fun at the bottom of a lineup, but can't really play higher up versus leaving some higher end talent that could potentially pop and play higher in your lineup on the board. And what we've seen since then is Cowan take that next step to be that line driver, to play with this confidence as the primary guy, both at the rookie tournament through training camp, through the early part of the season with the London Knights, where he's been the guy in London and has performed like it and had the confidence like it to take over shifts, to take over games. Um, And that's something where, yeah, he was good in the postseason with London, but he was also a complimentary piece at the top of that lineup, playing with guys like Ryan Winterton and some other more veteran players. And so the question was, he's a winger. He's not the biggest guy in the world. Sure, he has a great motor and all these things, but does he have the skill? Does he have the ability to take over games to kind of push him higher in the lineup? And I think so far, what we've seen from him this season is getting that kind of opportunity to take over games. He's also played a bit more center this year, which is something he didn't really do last season as well, which as to his versatility, he's been that yep. primary penalty killer as well. Again, adding that to his repertoire. And it's something where this season, he's been playing with that confidence to be the guy. Um, and, and I think that's where the Maple Leaf saw the character of this kid. And in addition to all of the kind of things that we already knew on the ice, to believe in him, to not just be this kind of third, fourth line upside upside kid who could be fun at the bottom of a lineup, be an effective penalty killer, things like that, but to legitimately have top six upside. And that's what we've seen him show so far this season with the Knights.
1: One thing I've noticed from him too is the ability to not be rattled by the moment. He seems to be having fun and enjoying every situation he's placed in, which is good because obviously we know as pressure mounts in Toronto – you have to be able to enjoy it. Hello, William Nylander is one of those guys that can do that in spades, and there's no problem with him doing it. So to see a guy like Easton Cowan not only get selected by the Maple Leafs, but take everything else in stride and keep building and not allowing, oh, I got selected by the Leafs. I, I got to play well, but it's still building for him, and he's still having fun and being the guy that we saw at rookie camp and we saw you know, go through all the training camp of the Maple Leafs. Yeah, I, I the, sorry, yes, just to right. jump
0: in there, but I, I couldn't agree more on that front. Like he's, like you you can say whatever you want about William Nylander. He comes from an NHL family. He's not yeah. from this area, things like that. It's a bit easier for him in the grand scheme of things to kind of not have that same pressure as somebody like a Mitch Marner who's from around here. Easton Cowan's from Strathroy, Ontario. I, he's from my hometown. Yeah. I'm well aware of the fact that it's a big hockey town and a Maple Leafs town as well. And that's something where, that pressure can get to you, especially early on when people are kind of not convinced with the selection or have some questions about it. And their first opportunities to see you can go south or can go great. Um, yeah. And all he's done in those big pressure moments is, is succeed. Like you look at what he did in the postseason with the Knights. He played his best hockey in the playoffs. That's one of the yeah. reasons why the Maple Leafs made him a first round pick. Obviously, the the rookie tournament games and the preseason games aren't marquee games in the grand scheme of things. But for an 18 year old donning that Maple Leafs jersey for the first time, those are big, big games for him with parents in the crowd, all that kind of stuff. And he excelled in all of those games, like playing at St. Thomas, an arena that he played in just two years ago at the junior B level with the Kamoka Kings and playing well in those games. Like those are moments that a lot of young players, 18 year olds from Ontario or from wherever playing those big spotlight games are might falter and he succeeded at every single step of the way so I couldn't agree more that this kid's demeanor is fantastic and again going back to the world juniors element of it I think that's one of the reasons why Canada kind of penciled him into this lineup pretty early on through camp because they've seen what he can do with the spotlight and in some of these big marquee games and they're willing to put him in those opportunities as a 18 year old on a 19 year old tournament um as somebody that can play some of those important minutes for Canada at a big spotlight tournament like the world juniors
1: yeah I think that'll go a long way not only with the world juniors but just in general if he keeps that demeanor throughout his career I think there'll be Certainly. big things for for Easton Cowan um the other guy is Fraser Minton who made this team as well um if you were to tell me at the beginning of this year that Fraser Minton would be a in the Maple Leafs lineup on opening night <laughs> and B, make Team Canada as one of the guys that they're counting on for a little bit of leadership as well. A lot of people would have said not a chance because of what they've seen tail end of last season. But going into the summer, the training camp, and everything, this guy seems to have put it all together, figured it out, and really could be a guy that Leafs can maybe even count on next season as someone, as a cheap young player, to come in and maybe play a third or fourth line role, or even an elevated role, depending on what happens with injuries. But I like the leadership he brings to this team. But I also like the fact that this guy said, I'm not going to be just another selection that someone says, this guy was picked by the Leafs and didn't do anything. Hello, Tyler Biggs and other guys like that. So I want to know your opinion here on Frazier Minton. Obviously, Team Canada seems to think things in him like they do with Cowan. The Maple Leafs see a whole lot in him. Giving a young guy like that an opening night spot and giving him a little bit of runway to play is huge. The Leafs usually don't do that. So Fraser Minton earned that and obviously earned the right for Team Canada. What are they seeing in him and where is his deployment with this lineup?
0: Yeah, if you told me throughout the summer and even the rookie tournament and everything that Minton would be playing four games with the Maple Leafs this year, I probably would have left. It was something that wasn't on the radar whatsoever. I actually disagree a little bit with the Hockey Canada part just because he plays He's such a unique player as a junior age player, just because like he made the Maple Leafs lineup, not because he was scoring, but because oh. of his defensive acumen, like his yeah. two way ability. And there's not a lot of 18, 19 year olds out of the CHL that are good enough to play on a team Canada that play that two way kind of typical third line center role. And that's what Minton brings to this team. And in addition to the leadership and and all of that kind of stuff, he's a defensively responsible player to make an NHL lineup, let alone at like a CHL yeah. level. Like this is a legit defensive player um, at the, at the junior level, like one of the best defensive forwards in all of the Canadian hockey league from what he's shown at the NHL and also at the, the WHL level. And so coming into this hockey Canada roster, I think it's more of a question of how they decide to use him versus um, kind of being surprised that he's kind of being a, a leader on this team. And I actually expect him, to probably get a letter on this roster as well, just based off of kind of how much Hockey canada's has kind of put some faith into this player as well. And so um, right now it looks like he's going to maybe shift to the left wing, which is something that he's done a little bit in his WHL career, and maybe play with a couple of young, highly touted offensive players and the projected first overall pick, Macklin Celebrini, and then the top scoring QMJHL guy over the past couple of years in Jordan Dumais. And so that's what's exciting about Minton is that he can play that defensive game to kind of shelter those kind of younger or highly flashy offensive guys and Celebrini and Dume and kind of be their defensive anchor while also being able to contribute an excellent shot off the half wall, which it looks like they're going to use on the power play for hockey Canada coming up at the World juniors as well. And so, yeah, Minton is somebody that um, has really impressed me throughout the, the training camp and kind of preseason and, The four games that he got in the nhl where he was a he was a difference maker on the four check in those four games he was somebody that was playing important defensive minutes at times throughout the preseason and in some of those early games and kind of had that run cut short due to some injury stuff and some weird cap things but he's not going to be the biggest scoring guy in the world like his numbers in the whl this season aren't going to blow up in the same way that some other guys will but it's the two-way acumen, it's the leadership, it's the forechecking, it's all of those kind of elements that has made him such a coveted piece for the Maple Leafs, has made him a coveted piece for Hockey Canada coming up, and is likely going to see Minton play a top six role with again the projected first overall pick and the top scoring guy on a per game basis in the QMJHL. And those are some legit opportunities uh, with those couple of guys in the lineup. And it looks like he'll probably get some power play opportunity as well. And so. Yeah, you look at the roster, and are there guys that are probably higher end offensively? Sure. You look at what Carson Raykoff has done in the OHL with Kitchener Rangers, putting up a goal per game and some insane numbers. You look at what Matthew Wood could potentially do in terms of his offensive upside and some of the things that he's done for Hockey Canada in the past. But it's somebody like a Fraser Minton getting that top six opportunity early on in the kind of training camp and pre-tournament phase right here. We'll see how things end up on Boxing Day. Um, But for at the very least right now, he's kind of been given this opportunity early on because of the things that you've mentioned, the leadership, all of the things that we've kind of talked about. Um, And it's a it's something that's great to see for Minton because he's earned every part of it. Like this isn't a guy that was drafted and and was like, oh, yeah, slam dunk pick at 34th or whatever it was. Like this was a pick kind of similar to Cowan and even nice before that, where it was like, okay, there's some things here, but kind of like a wait and see or is there the upside here in this player and things like that and I'm not entirely sold that there's top six upside yet in Minton I think he'll be an excellent third liner but whether he can progress higher than that I'm not quite sure yet but what he's done to this point has been uh, impressive and kind of showing this leadership and showing this two-way ability at kind of every stage to impress all of his coaches and management at every stage, to be this player that has been leaned on in so many different scenarios. And I'm happy for the kid to get this opportunity at the Royal Juniors and in a marquee spot in the lineup as well.
1: Well, I'm going to look forward to seeing him there. And I'm going to look forward to seeing him in the Maple Leaf lineup because we've talked a little bit, and I'll just bring, dovetail this to at least for a moment. The fact that David Camp, this Holmberg, and those guys haven't really been able to take a mm-hmm. stranglehold on the face off dot, having a guy like Frazier Minton maybe come in and be able to do those things would be good at the cost number that he's at. And if he can usurp one of those players or even usurp a David Camp right now, who's 33, 25, and 15% over his last few games in the dot, it would be good to see that. But I want to see this guy progress. Again, just like Cowan, have a good tournament. Have a good rest of the season. Come back to the Leafs next offseason. Go through camp and probably battle for a spot yet again. And I'd love to see it. I want to ask you outright, Canada's chances here in this tournament, they kick it off. Boxing Day against Finland, not an easy matchup. Finland always brings it in the World Juniors. Same with Sweden, same with the USA, Russia when they're there. We know they're not there this year, but they're playing Finland to kick it off. What are Canada's chances? What do you think of the team? And how much of a challenge is Boxing Day going to be for the Canadians? Yeah, it shapes up to be
0: a very close tournament where you kind of look the past couple of years and Canada's kind of Not been the runaway favorite, but but been kind of like the clear 1A to kind of the 1Bs in the rest of the tournament. This year, it's not the case. Like the the 1A, in my opinion, is Team USA this year, which we'll get to in a little bit. But Team Canada is in that mix, in that like 1B tier, obviously. But they're going to have their work cut out for them at this tournament. And lucky for them, they're in kind of the tougher group with Sweden on home ice, with Finland, like you mentioned, on, on Boxing Day here. Obviously not on home ice, but playing a European tournament as well. Uh, where they're going to have a slight leg up over some of the players going overseas to play on a bigger ice surface that they're not used to. And so for team Canada, it's going to be a good opportunity to play against some of those tougher teams early on. Um, and they're going to need to to kind of figure things out quickly because yeah, they've got some, some high end pieces there. And Matt Savoy is great seeing Matt Patrick at this opportunity after not really being a hockey Canada guy. And then all of a sudden making the Bruins roster, um, like they've got some legit offensive pieces. Obviously Macklin said going to have that big spotlight as the projected first overall pick as well. But you look on the defense group and there's some good names. Denton Matechuk is a great offensive player. Tristan Luno is the QMJHL defender of the year has played some minutes in the NHL this year, but you kind of look at the goaltending and some of the depth on defense and things like that, and compare it to some of the other top teams in the tournament. And it's not this runaway Canadian roster that we've seen in the past. And so, It shapes up to be a a very exciting tournament for Canada where that Boxing Day game is going to be a test. I don't think Finland is the best team this season, but playing a European team on the opening day for the World Juniors right next to one of their neighboring countries, that's going to be a big spotlight game for a lot of these players to kind of get right into things for the World Juniors. And so some of those crossover games in in the quarterfinals, depending on where Canada ends up shaping out in that group, are going to be intriguing. Um, but for for Team Canada, it's going to be making mo making the most of the group stage, trying to figure out what works, what doesn't, who the starting goaltender is going to be for those elimination games because it could be any of the three goaltenders on the roster. I was going to as well. ask you that
1: question. We got. Yeah. I'm a big fan favorite of uh, Mr. Russo out here in mm. Halifax, obviously. So got to see a lot of his work. The Rooster man. I, I want to see him. Uh, I want to see him crow at the World Juniors, <laughs> man. Just to to put the pun in there. But uh, yeah, and of course, furlong as well another Halifax Moosehead player, but yeah, yeah, I'd love to see on roots Russo get in there, man. I would just uh, mind blowing. Watch him, Jordan Dumain for a long, do some damage alongside our leaf boys.
0: Yeah. You mentioned Russo. I think he's the front runner to be the starter, just based off of what he's done with Halifax. Like you mentioned, like his numbers have been very impressive. Also from a leaf's perspective, a shout out to Samuel St. Hilaire, who was a leaf's development camp invite this summer, who has put together such an impressive QMJHL campaign that he's also, Made this roster as well. He's not Maple Leafs pros- property. He would have to be drafted. He can't be signed yet because of his age, but he's somebody that the Maple Leafs brought to their prospect, ter- not the prospect tournament, but to their development camp yep. over the summer about. Um, as kind of an extra goaltender to get some reps there and has put together a very impressive campaign there. So shout out to him as well, who could factor into this team as well because Scott Ratzlaff, the kind of guy that we expected coming into the season hasn't kind of put together the numbers that we expected out in the WHL this season. And so he's got the Hockey pedigree, uh, hockey Canada pedigree over the other two, but the other two have the kind of in-season success over Ratzlaff. So it's going to be very interesting to see who ends up being the starter out of the bunch. I do think it will be Rousseau, just based off of the numbers that he's put up, getting the start against the Denmark U25 team this week as well. And so... Yeah. Um, But yeah, those are going to be some big questions that are going to be asked. And again, like every World Juniors, there's not a lot of time to figure out those answers before the games mean a whole lot, before it's show up or or go home. And so... Show up or show out, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So for for Canada this year, it's not the kind of walk in the park that it has been to a certain extent in the past. Obviously, like last year's tournament and they have the overtime game against Slovakia, go to overtime against Czechia. Not saying those weren't a walk in the park, but when you look on paper... Canada had the best roster at some of those tournaments.
1: Oh my gosh. And Adam I don't ben think Tilly, that Yeah,
0: exactly, right? And I don't think that's the case this year where Canada has the best roster on paper. And so it's going to be a test for some of these guys and it's going to be interesting to see what kind of guys show up at this tournament going over back to the big ice as well as Canada goes for 3 in a row.
1: Well, I'm hoping that Canada can do some damage. Now, outside of Canada, we've talked you know, at length here about their roster and the guys that we like to see do well. Uh, what other players are you on the watch for here at this tournament, whether it's someone who's draft eligible or someone who's already been drafted and really has elevated their stock and really can lead their country uh, to success on the ice here at the World Juniors?
0: Yeah, one of those players that I think could that has the ability to to not only just take over a game, but take over a tournament and, and really carry his country all the way is Yuri Kulik for Czechia and the, the Buffalo Sabres prospect, who has been one of the top scoring guys in the AHL this year in terms of goals. Like he's been right up there, if not at the top in terms of goal production. And he's somebody that is going to this tournament for Czechia. And we don't really see that for some of the other AHL guys. Like Joachim Kamel isn't going for Finland. Simon Nemitz, obviously, currently on the NHL roster for the Devils, but he's not going for Slovakia, things like that, but Kulik is. And he's somebody that has play, played his best hockey in that Czechia jersey in the past. He's got legit MVP potential, in my opinion, um, and, and depending on how deep Czechia goes this year, I don't think that they have the same quite roster that they did last year, not having guys like David in and, and things like that, not having a Thomas Suhanic in that, even though Michael Rabel's been pretty good in the past. Um, Kulik is a guy that can score a hat trick in one of these games and take over a game, be a, somebody that is so good on the power play that it just overwhelms some other close competition and, and wins you an elimination game, wins you a medal just because of that kind of one player. And they have a few other players to supplement that, of course. Yep. Um, but for Czechia, he's a huge difference maker. I think he's one of, if not the best player in terms of raw ability at the tournament. I'm super excited to see Cooley and kind of what he can do in that like top, top tier uh kind of spotlight, like he's done right this season with Rochester in the AHL and put up some very impressive numbers.
1: All right. Well, the next thing is teams on the rise. We talked just a moment about Chechia obviously not having as strong as a team as last year. Uh for you, who's a team on the rise? And we got team USA PEG to talk about them in just a moment. Um, uh, but is it them? Is it someone else? Obviously, Canada wants the three peep, but there are teams that really want to take that away from them. And there are teams that have the advantage, like you just mentioned, playing over on the European ice, where it's a lot bigger ice service. And some of the North American guys have to get used to that side of things.
0: Yeah, the the team on the rise for me and the, the team to watch is kind of a huge wild card. For me, is Slovakia. Um, they're not okay. getting Shimon Nemets, which is a big blow to them. He would have played like 30, 30 plus minutes a night on this team. Half the game. Um, but... You look at this roster and there's legit pieces on this forward group. Samuel Hanzek was a top 20 pick this year for the Calgary Flames. He hasn't played a ton of games this season because he was hurt to start the year, but he's come back and been productive with the Vancouver Giants. He's going to be a first liner on this team. Dalibor Dvorsky has come over to the Sudbury Wolves and dominated the OHL, like putting up very, very impressive numbers as one of the top players in the OHL right now. And he's somebody that's eligible to return to next year's tournament, as well as St. Louis Blues top 10 pick. Philip Meshar, somebody that started the season in the AHL, but has gone back to the Kitchener Rangers, has been one of the best OHL scorers in in the entire league. Um, and those are all guys that are going to be the core of this team, going to be core of the power play as well. But it's not just those players. You look down this roster, I think one of the issues for a lot of some of these teams is they have the top prospects, but the depth falls off quickly, and that's kind of where they lose these games against some of the, the national powers. And, and that's not the case for Slovakia this year because they have somebody like Martin Michiak, who's been impressive in his OHL debut season this year with Erie playing in a depth role. Cervas Petrovsky, same thing with Owensound. Yuri uh, Pekarczyk, who really impressed at the Hlinka, uh in the U18s, pardon me, uh, has come over to the USHL and has been one of the top USHL forwards as well. Like, they've got scoring depth throughout. They've got two-way depth throughout this team. And so the question is whether they have the defensive group to kind of keep up with the the top teams. Um Adam Guyon was, was one of the stories of the the last year's World Juniors, winning top goaltender, kind of starting the tournament as a third stringer, ending the tournament as a Slovakia starter, almost upsetting Canada in that quarterfinal. It ended up being drafted high in the second round by the Chicago Blackhawks as a result. Like they've got kind of all the pieces except for that top end defenseman to really be that upset team. Um, and so I've got a, a real close eye on them. And I, I submitted my, uh, my official predictions earlier this week for the score. The spoiler for that is I have Slovakia winning the bronze medal. I <laughs> think that they've got a legit chance to go out and win a medal because of this forward group and because of the goaltending that they've got. Uh, this is a team that like, you look back to what Czechia did last year in terms of the the team that they had, they had an elite goaltender. They had scoring throughout the kind of forward group, the difference between these two teams is that last year, Czechia had David Juracek and kind of a couple other top defensemen. Slovakia doesn't quite have that same thing. But if somebody like a Maxim Sturback shows out, a young player like Luka Radovijevic shows up as like a 16, 17-year-old, then things kind of start to come together. And so for Slovakia, it's a team where, yeah, they could go out in the quarterfinals like they typically do, but (laughs) I could just as easily see them upset in the quarterfinals and make a big run at a medal. And that's, uh, that's actually what my official production is. So I'm, I'm very excited to see Slovakia this year.
1: Well, Slovakia may do it by defensive, by committee, right. And just yeah. be able to, to really put it together. And, and again, everybody elevates each other. And if you start rolling, that also, mm-hmm. you know, adds to confidence and gets guys going. So who knows what can happen there, but a yeah, team that and is- one of the, sorry,
0: but one of the key things with that as well is some of these kind of, um, underdog teams, play from behind a lot, but yep. they've got the scoring ability to pop an early goal and kind of play a shutdown defensive game if they need to. Like, this isn't a team that I think is going to need to play from behind if they if it's kind of an early game. And if they are playing from behind, they have the workhorses up front to kind of score their way in back into ga- games as well. So, yeah, that, if you're looking for kind of an underdog story to watch this year, Slovakia is a team that I've got some, some close eyes on. I think that they're going to impress this year.
1: It's going to be fun to watch them. Well, speaking of team, that uh, a lot of people got eyes on right now, and there's been a lot of hype around them on social media and stuff, and it's Team USA. Yeah. Um, obviously, their leadership group gets announced. There's a lot of fanfare to that. Obviously, the captain, Rutger McCordy. they're hoping for him to be healthy. They just like what he brings to this team, leadership-wise, but just in the room as well, how he kind of galvanizes everyone. Then you got Lane Hudson from Montreal, Cutter Goche from Philly. Ryan Chesley from Washington and Gavin Brindley at Columbus Blue Jackets prospect. These guys seem like they are the, the real McCoy here. They got some players. What is your thoughts on the USA hype? Is it real or is it just hype?
0: I think it's real. Like you look at this roster and I don't see a weakness. Like you look at forward, you've got a first line with Rutger McGroity. Who's been one of the top players in the big 10 with Michigan this year, who plays this really rugged style uh, up front and can kind of be that menace at the net front and be somebody that really works on the power play centering him will be Carter Gauthier who fifth overall pick was already a top scoring guy in terms of goals at the world championships for team USA. And he's going back to the U 20 level. And then on the wing there is Jimmy Snuggerud who all he's ever done when he's played with top guys is put up points. He did it last year at Minnesota with Matt Nyes and Logan Cooley. He did it previously and the uh, USNTDP with Cooley and, and Gauthier, and he's probably going to do it again at this tournament with those two guys. And then you go to the second line, and oh, yeah, let's just take the entire top line from Boston College and the USNTDP the previous year with Will Smith, the top-drafted guy at this yeah. tournament, fourth overall pick to the San Jose Sharks, with Gabe Perreault and Ryan Leonard, who have all been some of the top freshmen in the NCAA. And oh, yeah, let's just just go down the lineup, and Gavin Brindley, yeah, sure, let's toss him on a third <laughs> line with, an absolute burner like Frank Nazar and Isaac Howard, who was a top scoring guy with the NTDP a couple years ago, has kind of transformed his game over the past year since uh, transferring to Michigan State recently and kind of becoming that point per game player that we expected. And then even on the fourth line, you've got two way guys like Danny Nelson and Quinn Finley and guys that can play a penalty killing defensive role. And then you look on defense and Lane Hudson has obviously been a dynamo in the NCAA and Impressed massively at the World Championships, and is probably going to win top defenseman at this tournament. If we're being honest, based off of how things look, like he's going to put up points on the power play and at even strength. And oh yeah, if that wasn't good enough, you've got the top scoring guy in the NCAA, a draft eligible guy, and zeve Buham, probably partnering with the second highest scoring guy in the NCAA on defense, in Seamus Casey. And, and then oh yeah, let's go to the goaltending, and they've got the best duo in the tournament in Trey Augustine and Jacob Fowler, who are both playing big minutes four top teams in the ncaa as freshman goaltenders like everywhere you look on this roster it is unbelievable like jacob fowler played huge role last year on the ushl championship team played playoff games excelled in those games he's been great this season since joining the ncaa trey augustine has the world junior experience as well like everywhere you look on this roster it's key performers highly touted guys and guys that can play in in multiple different roles. And so that doesn't mean anything. Once you actually hit the ice, you got to perform. We've had some of these Team USAs in the past that look great on paper, but then falter in quarterfinals or semifinals or wherever it is. But on paper, this is the best team in the tournament, and I think it's a decent gap to the next best team. But that's why we play these games, and that's why we actually watch these tournaments, because these are 18-, 19-year-old kids, and anything can happen in these games. And so USA has the advantage going into this tournament, but like we mentioned, big ice, overseas, the spotlight, all those factors means that there could be an upset on the offing. But in terms of the, the my personal favorite going into the term and in my pick for gold, it is Team USA.
1: Well, we'll get to that part right now. Obviously, now I know who your gold is. I know who your bronze is. So does Canada get the silver medal or do they even medal in this tournament? Um, I'm going to homer it and say I want Canada <laughs> to have gold. I want USA to get bronze. And I want a team like Sweden to uh, to yeah. get silver. So those are my three picks. But I want to know who gets uh, the silver medal for you.
0: Yeah, silver medal for me is Team Canada. I think that they've got a good enough rounded roster to kind of go out and perform in the group stage, go out perform in the elimination games when they need it. I just think that the high end roundedness of Team USA and potentially the advantage in goaltending as well puts them over the edge for me on paper going into this tournament. But that said, you never know what happens in yes, these tournaments. True. You look back a couple of years, we didn't expect Devin Levi to be as good as he was coming into the tournament. He excelled, even though Team USA did end up winning that tournament as well. And so, um, yeah, I think at Team Sweden, you mentioned them, they've got a remarkable defense group. Like Tom Willander is an outstanding skater and a great two-way defenseman on that roster. Axel Sandine Pelica is gonna play some of the biggest minutes of the tournament as well. I like some of their forwards as well. Um, I have some questions about their goaltending, and I think that there might be a little susceptible to an upset in a semifinal potentially. And so that's why I don't have them uh, winning the medal there and having Slovakia upset uh, en route to the to the bronze medal there. But um, yeah, it, it's going to be a good tournament where Team USA is the favorite on paper, but Canada strong as always. Sweden looks very good while they're hosting on their, on their home ice looking for, Finally, that first gold medal since 2012, since because had scored, like it's been that long since they won gold. Wow. And underdogs like Czechia showing up last year and winning silver, and a team like Slovakia that I think it upset as well. And so it's a very close tournament at the top. I think team USA has the advantage going in, but there's three real competitors for that gold medal and a couple of underdogs that kind of usually give teams trouble as well.
1: Well, we're looking for the world juniors to get started. I want to have you back on after the world. Yeah, let's do it. And just re-go through everything we just went through, <laughs> and maybe some guys are gripping the sticks too hard for Team USA. Maybe Team Canada falters in that, yeah. and we think that all three guys are not doing it. Or uh, maybe the Cowboy comes up big against the USA in overtime, and Canada takes the medal away <laughs> yes, from the please. USA. Oh. Imagine that, eh? Just uh, jumps off, throws the Cowboy hat on, just starts bellying <laughs> PK Subban style, you know, waving the flag, oh, all that good stuff. Oh, I would love it. There's all kinds of fun storylines you can write, and that's why we love going into these tournaments because these young men go over there and they do give it their all. So hope everyone tunes in. Make sure you check out all Kyle's stuff. He's always talking about the juniors. He's talking about all kinds of different things, especially the newly minted PWHL, talking about those teams as well. So I want to throw that in there and make sure. And uh, shout out to our friend Carly Jackson from right here in Nova Scotia playing on the toronto six our buddy who's come on the show a bunch of times so we love carly but yeah i love your work there as well my friend so thank you for always making time for us we appreciate you i hope you and yours have a great and happy merry christmas thank you much
0: appreciated and and happy holidays merry christmas to yourself as well and yeah it's been a a fun time with the world juniors and kind of always that being some of my bread and butter but also the pwhl stuff like you mentioned i talking to carly she's an unbelievable person and very excited to see her on this Toronto team. And yeah, that's coming up right in the middle of the world juniors as well with the starting date on January 1st as well. So busy time, but it's what we love It's why we love this part of the calendar, both for the holiday season, but also for the hockey as
1: well. Oh, for the hockey for sure. And by the way, Carly, absolutely awesome Twitter handle or X handle, I guess now at tough mustard, go follower, absolute gem. But a thank you again, my friend, this right here is offside hockey talk where the Maple Leafs world juniors and hockey, come to talk.